Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'll tell you what, uh, you probably can't remember it because of uh, you were in the moment. Yeah. But when, um, when we were in the West Stand on on Saturday against West Ham and Antonio skinned Shackleton. Mm. I did Terry on rain and put my hand on the knee. <laughs> yeah, it's proper. <laughs> and then you, you, you Jamie Carrigan me as he, were, as he were going through on goal. You know, that look Carrigan yeah, gave yeah. this guy sports audience. Oh, well, I, I couldn't And then look. he just slotted it past Meslier and it were like, we just had a Terry on rain <laughs> and Jamie Carrigan moment. Oh, I did, to be honest, man, I didn't even realise you were touching me up at that point. Didn't have a clue, was too shocked. Or oh, looking round that post, actually, in the West Stand, trying to see if he'd slotted it in. But, God, no, I didn't, didn't realise that. the right in the Gary Kelly's podcast uh, the Charlie Creswell appreciation show we've called this one Dan and and the reason why is because I think that's the only positive thing we've actually got to talk about today listeners but um, we're a bit injury struck in ourselves here at right in Gary Kelly's so we've just got myself and, and, and Dan uh, joining joining us today on the show um, we've managed to, to get a guest as well Simon Walton uh, will be joining us later on. So you remember Simon Walton wrote through a Leeds United team in 2004-05 season. Uh, famously got sent off on his debut against Valencia uh, at the age of 16 and scoring a penalty as well. So he's plenty to talk about after he's just recently retired after 600 uh, league appearances. And then, yep, yeah, obviously we'll, we'll look back at West Ham, of course. Um, you know, we've got to really talk about West Ham and, and our current form. Uh, as always, we'll get your fans' thoughts on, on the game. As you can imagine, they're not very positive. <laughs> and, and and like I said, Charlie Cresswell will be will be waxing lyrical 
about Charlie plus much more. So, yeah, as I touched upon earlier, just myself and Dan, um, you know, pretty much holding the fort uh, for, for the injury struck and right in the Gary Kelly's team. I think they're, they're probably, uh, you know, taking advantage of the um, injury table yeah. uh, that they've got at Leeds United at the moment because honestly, we're, we're catching our up, guys are we? dropping left, right, and centre. Yeah, it must be catching. So, how are you doing, Dan? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. Just um, hopefully not everyone's turned off when they heard that it's just you two. It was two today, but um, no, like I say, uh, looking for, look well. Just trying not to think about Saturday, but you know what? After a good after a good reflection of it, now kind of you know calmed down at the time. I mean, did it? I don't know. I, th- I think it commented to you actually when we were walking out. Um, it's the quietest I've ever heard a stadium leave you know at the end of the game it was like a funeral weren't it going out the stand mm. and like no one was talking I just don't don't think I think everyone was just shocked really what happened in like the last 15 20 minutes and it's really weird uh feeling um going out because I think no one expected to get anything at the start did they and then by the end I think we were just confused at how we'd managed to lose really well that's it you know obviously we fell till 2-1 home defeat to West Ham um we tacked well in the first half. We looked good. We looked composed. And you've got to remember, it, it were a patched-up Leeds United team, let's be honest. It wasn't our, our, our first 11. Um, but I think, as what we all feared in the second half, you know, I think it, it really got to us at one point. You could see the fatigue kicking in relatively early because I don't think West Ham really offered much at all during the game. I, I, I definitely didn't come away with it thinking we got outplayed by, by the better team. I think they were there for the taking if I'm honest with you I think we just ended up you know at a puff in the end didn't we so um, I think it's like yeah one to, to look back on into it I guess and in frustration if I'm honest with you yeah pros and cons really what you just said there I think pros are the fact that you know West Ham are a good team they're in Europe you know did really well last season second string 11 just gone and beat Man U at Old Trafford could have got a point um, last weekend probably should have got a point and for you know, a good chunk of that game, we we were the better team comfortably. Um, but then flip that around, you know, West Ham did have a lot of chances in the first half when we were on top. And in the last 20 minutes, I don't think anyone hand on heart can say we look like winning that. Um, you know, we, we've, we didn't play well in the last 20 minutes, but neither did West Ham, I don't think. Um, I think they were the more likely team. But if you look at their goal, I think it would, could have been avoided in a lot of different areas. You know, we've just had a couple of people out of position and obviously Antonio snuck in, informed striker, he's always going to bury that. So, you know, leaving the ground, like I was saying, I'm really disappointed because, you know, we should have at the very least got a point, uh, probably could have won that game um, another day. But I just feel like the Leeds United last year, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have lost that. Definitely wouldn't have lost it. It was more like the leads that we watched in the championship at times, um, you know, just sometimes not capitalising when we're on top, not being clinical enough and it coming back to bite us a little bit. But looking on the positive, you know, there were good aspects there. I think we are playing better. It's We're just not sustaining it for 90 minutes, are we? You said we wouldn't have lost that last season, but, you know, they did us twice. Well, yeah. Last Maybe year, we wouldn't have lost times. it to a team Suche. that weren't West Ham. <laughs> but, yeah. But, yeah, I think, I, I think we played better. Um on Saturday against West Ham than we did at either of the games last season. We just, um, 
know, we just found a way to lose it, didn't we? Yeah, uh, just, you know, obviously if we try and get any positives out of it, it was another game and another goal from Rafinha in it. And, and what a well-worked goal it was yeah. in the end. You know, good play by by Rodrigo, click and, and, and well-finished by by Rafinha in the end. But, you know, it looked like he'd, he'd taken a, a hit off the ball from Antonio, which seemed to, to daze him just before the, 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 the second half, before the half-time, sorry. Um and then, yeah, he just came out second half and he just looked a shadow of himself and ultimately ended up coming off. And I think, if I'm honest with you, I said to you at the time, I think as soon as Rafinha came off, I think we just lost that spark, that mm-hmm. cutting edge. You know, as, long, as much as Jack Harrison is um, a, a good player, he's not Rafinha at the end of the day. And I think um, we just looked lost of ideas once Rafinha came off because obviously everything goes through him, really. And I think the R&R, Rodrigo and Rafinha... The link-up play is, is mesmerising at times when it's on mm. on fire, and I think you saw Rodrigo's just seems to dip after that, didn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I think we saw the best and worst. Really, I think we saw a great goal from him, but obviously, you know, we, we saw him go off with an injury, which it looks like he was carrying something some from Newcastle yeah. as well, wasn't it? It's so. a little bit worrying, I must admit, because I mean, he's not the player you're so busy when you're not winning, um, which I, I know. Like you say, we have Jack Harrison on the bench who's done great for us. I know, um, I think it was Roberts that came on for Rafinha again, but like he's, he's got to be carrying a knock. I think there's a talk about it, a hit to hamstring injury or something, which is a worry because they're ones that can linger, they can get worse, and you can end up having an operation on them that can put you out for three months or something. So um, it'll be interesting to see because he's, he's got called up for Brazil as well, which is you know great for him. Um, but I don't think they might be as keen as managing his time as we seem to be because he went off it's, you know, uh, exactly when they scored, didn't he? Literally, kick goal went in and came off. And you just think, and then from then, like we mentioned, last 20 minutes, we didn't create anything, did we? We didn't have a chance. Um, you know, I mean, it's a testament to how good he is. I mean, like you said, Matt, fantastic goal. And I think he hit the post as well, didn't he? You know, <laughs> a nutmeg on Ben Rama in the um, centre circle, which was pretty naughty, I must admit. Um, it's just so fun to watch. And, um, you know, he kind of lights up the stadium. You could see that that goal meant a lot to him as well. You know, just stupid booking in terms of, you know, you get booked for celebrating now with the fans. But, um, you know, I think it was... Yes, if he is, I mean, we need him fit for Watford, don't we? Like, because that's, you know, I'm not trying to jump ahead of that debriefing West Ham, but that's become a very important game now and we need Rafinha playing. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, probably just like after Newcastle, just wrap him in cotton wool. I think obviously it was touch and go. The the Fantasy Premier League team (laughs) had him down as injured pre-match and uh, obviously he came on and I think we all had him on as as our substitute bench, didn't we, in our fantasy teams. But, um, yeah, I think it's just wrapping him in cotton wool from that to Watford, really. I think, you know, obviously we're, you know, a bit short on options to come in and replace him. Well, there's one for you. If he is carrying a little injury, do you go with him from the start or do you hold him for the bench to maybe come on for half an hour? Because there's a little argument I've put on because, like, for example, we took Dan James off, didn't we, at half-time? And I just think, and we took him off against Newcastle as well, and I just think he's the kind of player you want in the last half hour, surely. So maybe it's, and obviously we seem hell-bent on bringing Tyler Roberts on every game. Um, I might infuriate some people here, but why not start with Tyler Roberts 
and bring on someone like Dan James the last half hour. I mean, you might, um, Roberts might offer something then, and then you can, if it's not working, haul him off at half time, and you can bring on someone like James. And I'm not, I'm saying if Rafinha's fit, you're playing for nine minutes, but if he's not fit, is he better coming into the game rather than taking him out of the game when you're struggling in the last half hour? Well, if he wasn't fit against West Ham, look what he did, mm. you know. But yeah, yeah, you're right. I think, especially with the international break coming on, is it a case he wants to go and get that first cap for Brazil as well? Yeah. And I, I was thinking about that after after West Ham. That I wonder if he probably will sit at Watford altogether mm. because he'll be he'll be determined to to go make his um, first team appearance for and get a cap for Brazil because um, you know obviously he was unlucky. Uh, the other week against Argentina with the, the COVID rules. So I'd be surprised to see him in the squad against Watford and I think he'll play for Brazil mm. and then come back for Southampton, rare to go again. Yeah. Big call, that. <laughs> Massive yeah. call. I think, he'll, uh, I think he'll rip it up as well for Brazil. You know, he's going to star in the 2022 World Cup. That's our prediction. Um, but let's hope he's a Leeds player by then. Yeah. Plus, a Brazil cap will slap another zero on your asking price as well, without doubt. Oh, will absolutely. It? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Maybe a couple of zeros. Look what it did to Rocky Jr. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Let's hope it goes slightly better than that. <laughs> just going back then, slightly, I feel like we kind of went in with a big intro and we just went, we're f***ed. <laughs> West Ham were f***ed. But I think for me, the concerning thing was West Ham's first goal. Hmm. It took a wicked deflection off Firpo, who was pretty much in the middle of the, the, the penalty box. And I'd say that's a, a clear example of us being a victim of our, our own man marking system. Because when Bowen picked the ball left back uh, spot, Firpo was man marking in the middle, um, four nails, wasn't he? Mm. Gave Bowen all that side of the pitch just to take the ball, have a look around, take in the atmosphere, <laughs> give a little cheeky wink to West Ham fans, and then burst into the penalty box and just took a left foot shot, which pounced straight off Firpo. It was obviously not in the wrong place at the wrong time at the end. So I think, yeah, there were a few examples of that. I think Shackleton as well were getting pulled out pretty much. I didn't see Shackleton's heat map. I think he pretty much played everywhere except the goal line. And he was your right back. And I think teams are becoming more savvy with our man marking system. Because literally the right back will follow his man right to the left-hand side of the pitch. And Rafinha will be following his man to the centre of the pitch. And then West Ham were doubling up on that left-hand side. Yeah. And it was it was happening throughout the game, throughout the game. And, you know, we can see it as fans. And it makes you wonder if Bielsa's extended coaching team, does he have any that sit up high up in the East Stand or mm. high up in the West Stand without a restricted view? And can just see these blatant um, gaps because, you know, it doesn't take a lot these days. Premier League clubs have masses, masses of teams of analysis now and hours of videotaping. You know, I think West Ham really exploited that at the weekend. It's like Frankie Lampard said, ain't it? You know, we do research too, or whatever. But, Absolutely. <laughs> um, but no, I think you're right. I think teams will get savvy to it. And I think, you know, West Ham set up, and I think a lot of teams do, they set up very fluid against us in terms of don't stick to your position, Rome, because you'll take your man out of that position and someone can go there. And it's like you say, Firpo gets taken out of position. And, you know, it's, it's well publicised, you know, if someone beats a man, all of a sudden, you know, you've got all this space to work with because you're nowhere near anyone else. And obviously Bowen found himself in wide space, obviously a bit unfortunate with the goal for Poe in terms of the deflection. But um, it, is a con- it is a concern and, you know, I mean, world-class managers 
well, I, I did. I just called David Moyes world world class there. Um, good managers um, will, you know, they know what to do. And you know, West Ham did set up to be fluid and to drag people out of positions, like you say, Shackleton was dragged across, and then all of a sudden you've got space in behind. And I think that's one reason why we struggled. Well, struggled twice against Man U at Old Trafford because it's a massive pitch, and I think mm. um, they set up just to say go where you want. Bruno, go run there. You know, McTominay, run over there. And if someone doesn't track you, all of a sudden you're in. And obviously, Fernandez didn't get trapped last season. McTominay, no one marked him. You know, if it's if that that is the failings of man marking. But you know, we've seen the best and worst of it. And you know, I'm, I don't think we're going to change now. And like we said, Leeds are always going to concede chances, aren't we? You know, we can see we can see chances every game. It's just. You know, we've got to be more lethal with our chances as well. But, yeah, I think... Um, and is that down to legs in midfield? I don't know. Um, especially in the last 20 minutes when we did look a little bit leggy. But it's demanding. I'm sure the running stats are still high. But I'd be surprised in the last 10, 20 minutes if they were higher than last season, for example. Well, we did, didn't we? We just touched upon it earlier. I think we'd looked um, probably from 65... 70 onwards, we were really struggling just to get hold of the ball. Click had that glorious chance, glorious chance. It looked like it, it would have bad. Oh, yeah, we thought he missed it, didn't he? Just hit it wide and did. Uh, it, it, took a yeah, nick. took a nick. Up. But even then, he's got to score that. And I think he knows he's got to score it. Um, like I, said, I saw a few things on Twitter saying, oh, he should have passed it. And it was like, he's not passing that. He's, he's got to score. Yeah, you know? Jack Harrison was yeah. he was free on the left, wasn't because he? Wide if open. he passed it, he's um, probably not even seen him, to be honest. Because if you're, if you're what, 10 yards out, goal in front of you, you're taking a shot every day. You know, And if you're not, you're thinking, oh, he's not confident. You know, He can't win there. He's got to score. That's the only way that you get <laughs> a positive outcome from it, isn't it? Absolutely. But, you know, I think... You know, we're not going to tell Bielsa how to manage a coach, oh, no. absolutely not. But I think sometimes it's playing the Bielsa way and the Leeds way the last four years and just seeing out a game and getting a result because, you know, you've got 36,000 there. You know, they're wanting a result, they're wanting a good performance. Yeah. We would have been happy with a point. I would have been yeah. absolutely buzzing with a point, I'm not going to lie. And I just felt about 70, 75, we were just yeah. losing ball giving it away we were you know slow to get back and you just you know obviously the subs bent all the subs were warming up and West Ham had Lanzini and and, yeah, and like, Matt Noble <laughs> and, yeah and they had all these these internationals and you know we had a, we had Gellart and Somerville mm. um, running down and I think I think looking at it it just I'm not saying they're the answer because they're not I genuinely don't think they're ready they're not Premier League ready yeah. at all they need a, a season or two in, in the lower league, if I'm honest with you. But I think that game just needed a bit of fresh energy up top. Yeah. Just somebody, just to give anything, even if it's a long punt, yeah. a Warnock-style long punt, and Gellar or Somerville got onto, onto that. You never know, you never know. Right. But there were times when Rodrigo just just didn't bother to you know, track Well, last 10, 15 minutes, he was on his ass, weren't he, Rodrigo? All of them yeah. were. All of them were. And I think it was inevitable when... When West Ham broke through and Antonio knocked it past yeah. Shackleton, and we had our Henry and, and Jamie Carragher <laughs> moment, and I think you know it was coming, and it was it's just I think that's the difference between top Premier League clubs and us mm. because we're we're miles off it, yeah. we're miles off it, and now people can think 
that will finish higher than ninth this season. We just don't have we don't have the bench, we don't have the replacements, we don't have that that spark off the bench that can give you that either that yeah. that extra couple yeah. of points per season or that extra legs more importantly. We just don't have it in the kids at the end of the day. Yeah. And someone famously said you can't win anything with kids, but I genuinely believe with these, they'll come on and do well yeah. and they'll get a good round of applause and they'll do a few good things, but they're not gonna they're not yeah. gonna change a game for you, but they'll at least give you a bit of energy and that's what we're relying on, unfortunately. And Bielsa has said this, yeah, I think he he's kind of spot on in his press conference when he said we weren't looking to win that game in the last twenty minutes and that comes from confidence sometimes and we didn't look confident in the last 20 minutes you know you can discuss whether that's because Rafinha went off because we were too tired I don't know but um, yeah I think he was right there but I agree with you I think he had to use his bench in the last 10, 10 minutes because you know I w- not just a bit yeah, of energy not even to say yeah. Gala, you've got to go and score a goal now Somerville you've got to go and score a goal just work give us some running running behind give us some because you know, the front four, they were, they were knackered um, yeah. and they didn't give us anything, you know, and fans would have got that. They wouldn't have expected Gellart to come on and score two goals in five minutes, you know, but he would have worked hard, wouldn't he? The kids will work hard. And, yeah, and I think you said at the time, Matt, you know, you've got to try and be not reactive with your subs, but think, you know, you've got to think, see what's going to happen. And you'd think Bielsa would see that. And I know he's, he's said in the past that he doesn't want to, throw kids in that he doesn't believe they're ready because that's not fair on them but a choice I think Forshaw's well your bench is full of them Forshaw's out again Um, yeah I mean we have no idea how long your end saying cock are going to be out for it It keeps on saying a week and then next press conference comes and they're still injured I guess we've got a strike coming back Um, but again that's probably not the area where we're struggling as such obviously We'll come to Charlie Cresswell in a minute, but he was fantastic, you know. So we've got someone that can come in there, but I just feel like in that centre mid central midfield at the minute, if we haven't got anything that can come on there and freshen it up, and you know, so Dallas has been fantastic for us, but even he was looking a little bit, you know, not at his mm. peak of last season. So yeah, um, it's interesting and just the, the way that they scored their goal, you know, with Declan Rice stepping out of midfield. Uh, playing the ball into Antonio, Antonio straight on it, nipping in front of Shackleton. You know, that energy, that's what we didn't have. And you look at Shackleton playing right back, you know, it's, it's, it's not his favourite position, mm-hmm. it's not his preferred position at all. And he's learning that position against top, top mm-hmm. world-class players. You can put Mikel Antonio, you might not say he's world-class, he's got ambitions to be Premier League top as well, you know. Oh, I scored six and six, yeah. and that's not including last season. Yeah. And that's including uh, what he's done last year as well. But he's but these are these are top top flight players. Mm. You know we lose we lose Calvin and we're in trouble. Oh, yeah. You know obviously I know we've we've got a lot of injuries. Um, so some big players we really have. You know no Bamford no Ailey, mm-hmm. um, Cock and Laurenti are out, and um, you know obviously that new signing Adam Forshaw is, <laughs> again he's he's had another setback. But my worry is, is you know, we lose Calvin and I think we're in big, big trouble, oh, yeah. if I'm honest with you. Massive trouble. Yeah. And therein lies the issue with... <laughs> well, I mean, we joked about it, weren't it? Rad Rizani getting in a little twist spat. But you've, you've got to expect criticism when you don't strengthen in a, an area which everyone could see that it could be an issue. And like you say, we're only one injury now away from being not just short, but 
critically short in that middle. Um, so, yes, I think the concerns are there, but, you know, whilst Calvin is fit, whilst we've still got these key players around, like you say, touching on another positive, you know, Rodrigo was very good for 60 minutes. Again, not fantastic at the pressing area, but you could see his technical ability was there. You know, his little cut back to clip was fantastic because, you know, he saw that ball and I think he was unlucky not to link up with a few others um, throughout the game. But, you know, he needs a goal himself, especially, I mean, I, I don't, again, I don't know how serious Bamford's injury is, but if it is a few weeks, then, you know, we need Rodrigo to score because um, strikers breed off confidence, don't they? Yeah, and I think we saw last season when he got against the brace against Burnley. I think it really did him yeah. did him wonders, didn't it? I think he, I think once he get it, we'll, we'll start seeing. I think in patches he played really well mm. against West Ham. Um, but yeah, another game gone. Uh, obviously, we've got. I don't know about you, but I look at I, since um, since start of the season. I just keep looking at the fixtures, saying must win now, must yeah. win. And I think for me, I think the Watford game uh, on Saturday. It's massive and I think um, going into an international break for me is always key to go into it mm. with uh, a good result. Yeah. I think there's nothing worse than, than stewing on it for two weeks, near two weeks or whatever it is, uh, knowing you've been badly beaten. It's, it's um, not good for the fans either, is it? <laughs> not at all. And I think um, they're a very unpredictable team. Obviously, it's at Ellen Road. We've not won in our opening six games. Yeah. You know, LUFC data um, put a well put a tweet out. I nearly said a great tweet. Well, it was in context, but <laughs> looking at the stats, it's absolutely terrible reading. But you know, we've we've faced the most shots in in the Premier League so far this season. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Meslier's made the most saves at twenty seven, and we've conceded fourteen goals, which is joint second, yeah. and obviously kept zero clean sheets. So. Yeah, something needs to change and, and, and quickly because for me, if we don't pick up a result against Watford, I think we're looking at Southampton away, Wolves, Norwich and Leicester. We've got to pick up results mm. and points within them, them, next, um, yeah. them next five games plus squeezing Arsenal in the cup as well, which for me, I'd, I'd put the under-18s out. It's not out my priority at all. I just want to get mm. points on the board, to be honest with you. Yeah. No, definitely. I'm, I mean... I was concerned after the game, but, you know, on reflection, again, we're a win away from climbing the league. Very winnable game against Watford. You know, I don't think they're going to, they're going to be as poor as, say, like the Fulham or Sheffield United were. I think I've seen, I've watched a couple of their games and, you know, they've been a bit Jekyll and Hyde as well, actually. So, but, you know, next two games, like you say, very big because Southampton aren't up to much this season either, so... You know we've got to we've got to target six points, but realistically, probably going to look at four and think get get that win on the board, move on because we're still capable of beating anyone. But like you said, we've got to tighten up defensively and we've got to take our chances when we're on top. Simple as. Absolutely. And speaking of moving on, I think we should move on to the fans' thoughts. I think uh, let's try and wrap this 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 one up with West Ham <laughs> as quickly as possible. Let's, you know, touch upon Cresswell because, you know, like like I say, a lot of faith has been shown in the under-23s. But, um, you know, Bielsa kind of said that his performance against Fulham kind of convinced him that he is ready. You know, he was very mm. good against Fulham. You know, I don't think he was tested too much um, against Fulham, but it was, you know, an assured performance. And then, you know, of course it was going to be tested then. But you look at him, he's, what, six foot three? 
for something he's a big oh, lad you know he's going to be an what absolute a unit what a Premier League debut and, going up against Antonio as well who's not the easiest opponent let's be honest with you you know, he roughs you up, does Antonio. I and he will tell Wesley that. <laughs> well, absolutely, yeah. He got a right point at the elbow, yeah. didn't he? But I think, I think we specifically, he got a great reception at Ellen mm-hmm. Road on Saturday. And I think he went in early on Antonio yeah. and instantly the cop were behind him. And I think he just rose from that. He really did. And I think he looked so comfortable throughout the game. I mean, because he... And he, rest, he were wrestling with yeah, him, he? Was he? Up, he, he, he was up him. Antonio's arse every time. And, you know, for Bielsa to say that is your man... That's a big vote of confidence, if anything, to say, you know, I mean, to be honest, Antonio is a very good player and there's a couple of times where he just got past him. But, uh, you know, by all, uh, you know, in summary, though, I don't think you can knock his performance. And it does show that, you know, we were probably right not to go and sign another centre-back this season because, you know, you've got to believe in what you've got. Um, there and what you know, I don't think any of us expected Cresswell to be starting a game end of September, you know, through it would have had to have been through injuries, simple as that. But we saw what Stroik did last season, he got a chance and he kind of took it, didn't he? And managed to by the end of the season, he was first team, you know. Um, whether Cresswell can do that, you know, that's down to him, but um. You know, Bielsa does like a right footer and a left footer, doesn't he? So if Cresswell does start to play well, you're entering Cocker out for a limited for a long time. Um, you never know; he might, he might keep him in there next to Cooper or Strike. So, but yeah, it was, um, you know, a brilliant debut and well, league debut, should I say? And I think it's a sign of things to come, and it's a good, it's another tick for the academy, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, I've not seen an academy centre back performance. Debut like that since the great Tom Lee. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I'll just he just looks so at home. Yeah. It like he's he'll just look natural. And I think Cooper Cooper really did well with him. Mm. He was talking to him throughout the game, and I think, I think Cooper had a good game yeah, as well. If I'm honest yeah. with you, I just didn't like the fact that our back four was hardly ever never in a line. Mm. It was like we talked about earlier: Furpo in the right, Shackleton on the left. You know. But they look steady, he looks steady. And he, like I said, he had a, a proper battle with Antonio. And it's going to be interesting now. I think he's, um, you know, Stroik coming back. It's going to be interesting now how that's going to work. Yeah. I mean... Um, I think he'll settle nice in a back three as well, actually. Yeah. I think he'll look composed in a in a back three. I think he'll look good. I was just thinking, do Watford play to... I don't think they play to up front. Mind you, they play that Josh King, don't they, and that other striker. So they might yeah. actually play two up front. So if so... Whether they, you know, they stick Calvin back or... But, you know, Calvin, um, just going back to Calvin, he showed that for England, you know, he can play a more advanced role as well. Obviously, we want him sitting predominantly, but if you are confident with Cresswell, you can stick Cresswell in there, Cooper, Stroit, as the, the kind of three to deal with Watford's two. Obviously, again, not 100% sure if they play a two or not, but I'm just speculating. But, you know, it's interesting question. Do you st- um, with Stroit back, Cooper fit? Do you go Cresswell against Watford? I would. I would. I think he was outstanding. Um, going back to your thing about Phillips, pre-Bielsa, well, he used yeah. to play further for Limited success. Everyone but... seems to forget that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. No, I, I I, think Strike will come in. It depends because they play Saar. We've got Saar, Dennis yeah. and Josh King, so it's a bit like a front three in a way. But there's some yeah. predictable Watford. Uh, I'd be surprised if we did. But I think if we did play a back three, I think Cresswell mm. would be good in the centre. 
and striking. And I think what I like side. about him as well is he's physical. He gets stuck in, and he's good in oh, the yeah. he's, he's, he's good in the air. Player. And I think he was he was useful against West Ham. Bit like his <laughs> yeah. dad. Bit like his dad. Eh? His dad exactly. was a player. Big fan of um, Richie, big yeah. fan of Rich Cresswell. Yeah, he's got some good goals for us, didn't he? So yeah, obviously we were panicking at the start, and yeah, I know you made the point about game changers. You know, Cresswell obviously is, you know, your defenders aren't going to be game changers. They're not going to effectively win or create for you. You know, my point about game changers was the likes of Somerville and Gellart with. We're crying out for them, but the kids, the young boys, you know, they're both tiny. They're only yeah. six foot. You, you just look at them stood next to the West Ham players. Yeah. And they're tiny, they're tiny. And, you know, who said that the small players don't, aren't successful? Yeah. But it's, it's bollocks. But you've got to be special. And I, I they're just lacking yeah. top quality game time. And that's my only worry that we haven't got these, these changes. But players like Creswell, Noah Kenny... Jack Jenkins, they're decent players, I think, that could easily step up into our first team with ease, but they're not creative players, that's my... And what I will say is, um, I'm just going to go back again before Fulham game, is when we did bring Gellar on, the service to him was atrocious. It was really bad. Absolutely. They were just just lumping it forward to him, and they had that bloody um, Miguel Hector on him, who is six foot five, he's just gobbling everything up, and... You know, and, and with all due respect to Gellart, Gellart's game is about getting the ball to feet and driving at it. And we were just lumping it forward to him. And that just kind of illustrates the point that, if anything, a lot of the, the lads that we probably need, we need some midfielders to come through to get the ball down and play when we're under pressure. You know, that's that's my take on it anyway. So the kids are going to be all right this season? We we might we, we might do something with kids, yeah? I'm going to... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... Stay neutral and say I'm not going to do anything to the kids, but I think the kids, the kids might, <laughs> they might impact on the season at some point. Well, that's it. I think Somerville comes on and bags a winner. Gellart comes on and bags a winner. Greenwood comes on and bags a winner. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's all we're craving out for, aren't we? But yeah, let's see, let's see. Bring on Watford and see how we are after Watford, and then we're kind of hovering over that panic button. I'm just not looking at the league at the minute. I, I saw a glimpse of it and I saw that we were below that line, weren't we? And I thought, you know what? Until we win, I'm not looking at that league again. Absolutely. It could be worse. That's it could be true. an Orange fan. We got your thoughts straight after the full-time whistle, uh, after the 2-1 defeat to West Ham on Saturday. And, and as you can imagine, it, you know, it wasn't positive and, it, <laughs> and rightly so. But yeah, um, and as always, don't forget, you can get in touch with us on the podcast. Uh, by reaching out on all our socials at RITGK and you can drop us an email at contact at writingagarykellys.com So Stephen Rowe tweeted us saying Rafinha and Rodrigo and Click were excellent last season but peak Jack Harrison, Dallas and Phillips are not in any form and we need them all firing at once to start a winning streak and most importantly get moving back up the league. Furpo also looks lost. Agent LUFC the team are out on their feet. The intensity of the last few years has really caught up on the engine room and yet we carry on with the murder ball even though the players are dead on their feet, picking up muscle strains left, right and centre. Cal Shaw simply said, we're f***ed. And finally, Chris also said, we're f***ed. I wonder uh, if Agent, Agent LUFC maybe can do some wonders for us in January. <laughs> I, think, yeah, I think we might need to, if there's no money in the bank, by all accounts... Um, then maybe we do need to dip in the loan market because we've been very proud mm. by not by not dipping in the, the loan market. I think the domestic loan market as well, you know, obviously there were a lot of talk of Conor Gallagher yeah. in the summer. 
and Keeb would have made a big difference for now us. Now look how he started at Palace. Very well, hasn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Let's avoid players like Rob, uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek. You know, you've got to get three games out of him and that's it. You know, but the, the, there might be a young gem kicking around that we might be able to bring in on January on loan. Yeah. No, I think it's something that we need to explore. Obviously, January's a long way away now. We've got to make do with what we've got. But, um, yeah, it's interesting. Murder ball's been slated now. You know, it can be praised or slated. Yeah. You know, I don't think... Personally, I don't think it's down. You know, it's injuring the players as such. I think it's just a little bit of bad luck and just the fact that we're not in form, unfortunately, and that comes that negativity can affect you running sometimes, I guess. But um, are we f***ed? Probably not f***ed. We're F-U-C-K. If we lose to Watford, maybe add the ED on then, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I, I remember last season we went through a bit of a bad spell around Christmas, mm-hmm. after the Manchester United defeat. We lost to Arsenal. Mm-hmm. And then we just went on a bit of a run, didn't we? Yeah. Beat Leicester. Beat, we lost to Everton. We lost to Villa, that was it. We lost to Everton and Villa. Mm. And then we went on a bit of a run, didn't we? And then that obviously came in line with the Manchester City result. Yeah. And then it, we obviously didn't lose at home to the big six. Um, and I remember at the time we were all panicking, going, is that it? The bubble's burst. We've been found out. And we just seemed to, to just change the way we played slightly and I think he knows that but it's just like we touched upon earlier it's the personnel I just think in hindsight it's easy now to sit back and say yeah we've made a mistake by not investing in the areas that needed investing in the summer Mm -hmm. you know just to just you want some just some clever decent backup players that could in when they get in the first team be difficult to 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 lodge to remove out so I don't think we've got that and I think players like Cock and Stroik you know, they're quite versatile. I think losing both of them has been an issue for us. Yeah. And that's then brought out the... Because no one had mentioned for sure. We know he's injured. He's come back. He's had a setback. Absolutely. But I think losing Stroike and, and, and um, Cock for a period of the season has left that exposed area of the pitch. Definitely. But there's been a lot of faith being put in the under-23s. And rightly so. They won the league last year, the under-23 league. But the Premier League's a different different ball game you know what I mean you, you've got to be you've got to be like peak Xavi and Iniesta yeah. at 18-21 aren't you to get into to, and really stand out yeah. in the Premier League if I'm honest with you so we've introduced a chance for you guys to support us this season by becoming a Ryan McGarry Kelly's patron member for as little as £2 a month you can help support the work we do and make sure that we can continue to bring you our podcast series and our in-depth online articles about the football club that we all love that's good, Vic. Two quid, you can't even buy a decent cup of coffee for that these days. Come to think of it, did you see Birmingham City Football Club? They're selling chips and a cheese slice for four quid. Absolutely criminal. For £3 a month, you can also get early access to this podcast before it goes on general release. And come and join us for a monthly Q&A and talk all things Leeds, plus much, much more. Not forgetting, for £5 a month, you can get to join us for a Q&A, early access to episodes, a live recording of each podcast, and you'll also get the chance to join us on the show as one of our loyal members. I tell you what, that's not bad at all, is it? And the best thing about us setting up as a membership is that we'll be delivering you an ad-free podcast, and you don't hear that very often these days. It's our unique selling point. So becoming one of those patron members helps fund what we do, it helps continue to deliver this podcast, and you never know, we could even share some cheesy chips together before the end of the season. I guess you've summed it up perfectly. We go ad-free so we don't spoil your listening experience with legal advice and ball trimmers. Sounds like a good deal to me. 
Head over to patreon.com forward slash RITGK to become a member today. Appreciate you coming on, Simon. We um, just get your thoughts really on the season in general for Leeds and we can have a look back on your illustrious long career after you've just recently <laughs> retired. So, yeah, what do you? what's your thoughts on the the current season for, for Leeds United? Um, I got asked the other day, uh, funnily enough, in an interview if I was worried. Um, and I said, the word's not worried. I'm not worried about, obviously, we've not we've not won a game yet, but I watched the game Saturday and I've seen uh, previous games. So I'm not, I wouldn't say worried. I'm a bit edgy, I suppose, that we've not picked up three points, but I'm not particularly worried in terms of relegation and people are saying second season syndrome, etc. Um, obviously, I've been pointed towards the, the Sheffield United scenario from last season and obviously how well they did in their first season. But I'm not worried. I think I, I certainly think there's five or six worse teams, at least, than us. So I'm not worried in terms of relegation, but I would like to pick up a few more points. But I think on Saturday, um, I think a draw would have been a fair result, I think. The defeat was harsh. Um, I think we ran out of steam, I think is the, the old phrase, um, that we ran out of steam towards the end, obviously, with players playing who were maybe wouldn't play under normal circumstances in terms of carrying injuries and players who hadn't played. Obviously, the two young boys or one young boy, one younger boy played. So I think we, we deserved a point um, against what is a, a very good West Ham team. That, that They're good at what they do and they've got very good players um i think we've we've had a, a, a tough opening in terms of the, the games we've played we've, yeah. we've not had it easy so um yeah I'm, I'm not worried um like i say everybody wants to get that first three points in terms of a, a win on the board so i'm not worried but i would like to see it come sooner rather than later and i think the next few fixtures i'd like to think we we, we start picking up a few points in those yeah where do you think we've fallen down a bit this season compared to last then? Or what do, you, do you think it's just the fact we've been unlucky injuries or not been as clinical, etc.? What do you reckon is the reason why we've not won yet? I think, um, obviously, injuries never help, but everyone gets injuries. Um, I, I don't think... We didn't strengthen the squad in terms of depth and maybe adding that bit more quality that you need Um I think we replaced players, obviously, with Alioski leaving. We replaced him, but we didn't necessarily strengthen, if that makes sense. Um, I don't think we got that second centre-forward that we probably needed, and I think we, we we certainly lack another central midfielder. So I think a lot of it comes down to squad depth. Like you say, you only need two or three injuries, and the team looks a, a whole lot different. Um, but like I said, don't get me wrong, there's enough, certainly enough good players and players coming through to um, to stabilise. I, 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 like I said, I'm not worried in terms of the dreaded R word, but I just think every team that's come up and survived have, have strengthened. And I know it's easier said than done in terms of going out and splashing a load of the cash and getting the right players, but I just think we, we could have done with maybe a couple more additions. And I don't mean big hitters, I just mean maybe a couple more. Like I said, if, if Calvin gets injured or... Patrick gets injured, then we're lacking in those couple of positions, I think. But hopefully they stay um, injury-free. I mean, I know Patrick's injured at the minute, but hopefully it won't be too long. So I think we'll be fine as soon as we get our strongest 11 out and strongest 13 to pick from in terms of bench as well. I, yeah. I think we'll be fine. But injuries affect everyone. You only have to look at 
the champions last year who who got injuries and they finished fourth or whatever. So the effect everyone, I think, they has had a, an effect on us. And like I said, the games that we've had have, have been tough. And obviously, with Calvin being at the Euros and players coming back late, etc., that it, it's been a little bit of a false dawn um, to start with. But I think I've seen enough. Certainly on Saturday, I, I saw enough in patches to to suggest we'll be more than fine. We were saying it earlier, Simon, about um, I think it's been easily forgotten about the injuries we've had so far this season. You've got to, you've got to think who we're missing on on Saturday. And Rafinha wasn't 100%. It was carrying from Newcastle. We were talking about Rafinha earlier, actually. I think with him getting called up to the Brazil squad, I don't think he'll make Watford. I think he'll want to sit that out because he's desperate to get his call up for, for Brazil because it's the international break after. So, yeah, it's... I agree with you on signings. I think, you know, we were saying earlier, a couple of good squad players to come in and, and come off the bench and make an impact. And when they're in the first team, they make a good go of it. And you know you can trust them. I think we miss that type of player. And you've just got to look at players like Shackleton playing at right back. You know, this yeah. is Premier League top class football we're playing. He's not a right back. You know, he's, yeah. he's barely played in his favoured position in the Championship, never mind Premier League. And he did a good job at the right back, but it's that way of just, you know, patching it up really, isn't it? I think, but maybe Arsenal's a good example of that. And you look at them yesterday when they've got their full, pretty much full team back and look what they did. And Arteta yeah. was saying, like, it's the first time I've had my, 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 my first team available. And I think, I can't remember last time we had a full squad to pick from. It's probably a long, long time ago now, maybe... Christmas last year, you know. Uh, I don't think you'll ever get it under Bielsa, will you? <laughs> you're even very fit, or uh, you're injured. I think that's how it works. Yeah, there's no in between. But yeah, right. I think going, yeah. going back to Shaq, I think he's the type of player that will always do well because he does a job wherever you put him, and he filled in fine. I mean. I've got personal experience of having to try and fill a gap at right back, and it's not—it's not easy. <laughs> Let me tell you, but no, I think, like you said, just those players who you just can rely on week in, week out in terms of them being on the pitch. I mean, if you had another two or three Stuart Dallas's knocking around, we'd, we'd be all right. But yeah, definitely, it's not that. It's a lot easier said than done. Uh, let me tell you, finding those type of players. So, like you said, once we get our full fit, fully fit squad back and. Even just a couple of them, yeah. But yeah, Raf will be a massive miss because obviously he was struggling, but you wouldn't have known it until the, the second he went off, would you? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. didn't, it, it, I didn't look at him and go, he's injured, but obviously he, 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 he's put his body on the line. So fair play to him. But yeah, I, I can imagine he's quite excited at the prospect of playing for Brazil. So I kind of tend to side with you on, on yeah, him maybe not being available. I think that'll be his priority. But you touched upon earlier about teams worsen us. I think you've just got to look at our next fixtures. You know, we've got Watford on Saturday. After international, we've got Southampton. Watford's a bit unpredictable. You never know what you're going to get with Watford, do you? But Southampton aren't the best of form. They were poor yesterday. And then we've got Wolves as well. And they've had a slow start to the season. So there's three games there where surely we've got to pick a win up. Maybe two if we're lucky. <laughs> if we're being greedy, you take off. You? <laughs> you know what I mean? Crisis averted then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then we've got Norwich after, so there's got to be a win out there somewhere. Happy day. We'll be top of the league after that. <laughs> no, no need to panic. Get that Champions League theme music going. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, they're the games that you've got to be looking to pick points up in and... There's no easy games, as the old cliche and oh, adage no. go, but you've got to um, certainly look at those and believe that we'll pick up a couple of wins out of our next 
three or four fixtures. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, hopefully there'll be a couple back by then. I think there's another two or three international breaks coming up. Yeah, Weirdly, it's... Yeah, it's I mean, I, I watched... Luckily, I went to watch England at Wembley. He didn't play, um, but I was kind of glad he didn't play because I'm thinking he's played a lot of football, that boy. So, yeah, he... Um, He's, he's going to be needed to be looked after, but I don't think there's so such thing in terms of Mr. Bielsa's training regime. So he's a fit boy, so I'm sure he'll look after himself, no problem. Listen, you're probably a good man to ask this actually, Simon, because we were talking about the um, obviously the other youngsters we've got with like Gellart and Somerville coming through, mm-hmm. and whether it, you know they could have done something in the last 20 minutes coming off the bench because you know we felt like. You know, we were struggling a little bit in terms of energy up front and just offering mm. something different. And obviously, Bielsa said in the past that, you know, he doesn't want, just want to bring on youngsters for the sake of bringing them on. He wants them to be ready and stuff. And obviously, you know, when you made your debut and stuff, if if you were in that kind of position, how would you feel about coming on and, like, you know, being asked to change a game as such, like Gellart and Somerville would be against top-class opposition, you know, and kind of being, you know, we're almost forced into it in a way because of our squad. Just, you know, I'd just be interested to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think that you summed it up at the end. I don't think he wants to be forced into just putting a young lad on for the sake of it. I mean, I think at times someone mentioned it to me the other day, we've not filled the bench, so he's not just going to chuck young kids yeah. into a situation that could have adverse effects. I mean, we all want to play in the Premier League for Leeds United, but at the same time, you don't want to just play 10 minutes because you have a shocker, lose a goal and... Yeah. I know it's a bit different for attackers. You're not making a defensive error, etc. But it can make or break your, your first even minutes coming off the bench. It, it, you need to have a good start. And he's, there's always method behind his madness. So I'm sure he has reasons as to which player comes on at which time. But I think for attacking players, there's not. Maybe I'm biased because I was a midfielder or defensive player. But I, I think as an attacking player, you just you literally let loose <laughs> you're out there go and try and get us a goal but I think on Saturday I think the unfortunate thing was we spent the last 10-15 minutes very much on the back foot so okay. maybe the experience of Rodrigo trying to hold it up or do something in the attacking end probably that's that was his thinking but I think if we'd have been on the front foot and very much going for the for the winner I think that you might have seen one or maybe two of the the younger exciting attacking players come on but mm. I, I do feel that sometimes young players are just chucked on for the sake of being chucked on and it can have long-term adverse effects I know that will sound very stupid to people that are like what can an adverse effect be on playing in the Premier League but sometimes the, the different characters need putting in at different times and some mm. can go straight in and handle it no problem some maybe need just to dip their toe in and sort of find their feet and build that confidence that any young boy needs to go and play mm. in those sort of circumstances. Yeah. Speaking of uh, young players uh, dipping their toe in and, and making an impact on their, their debut then, do you want to, should we go back then? <laughs> should we go back to yeah. Valencia? We've got to talk yeah. about it, have I? But you get asked about that all the time. Like, 16 years of age, pre-season friendly, was it? 20-odd thousand at Ellen Road yeah. against Valencia. Yeah. And, you score a penalty you go up and take a penalty like 
I'll do that conversation. You go up and do Bruno Fernandes and said I'm having this, or <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, at 16, uh, you know. Yeah. There was no, uh, there's no big story behind it. Blackie <laughs> said before the game, "Who wants penalties this year?" I went, "I'll have it." The first one. <laughs> <laughs> I've not even taken penalties in the youth team or for growing up, so I don't, I don't actually know where it came from. But as you do, a young kid, and I was quite. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Not confident, but I wasn't shy, put it that way. So, um, yeah, I put my hand up. Yeah, I'll take it. And then we get a penalty and, yeah, Paul Butler gets the ball and thrashes it into my stomach. <laughs> Here you go, son. <laughs> Look, luckily it went in. And then, obviously, you get sent off then, didn't you? Yeah. Two bunk, I'm glad two you said it that way around because people normally bring up the red card before. And I have yeah, to, we have to talk about your penalty. Well. Yeah, let's got to get it. We've got to get that in. I remember the second one caused, caused a bit of a brawl, didn't there? A bit of a, a bit of a melee. Players after that. Yeah, I, I, like so. I mean, I, I'm sure everyone knows. I wasn't afraid of putting putting my foot in. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, you just like I said, the young 16 year old excited boy running around doing what I was good at and. I think it wasn't as bad as what it was made out to be, but obviously we were playing a European team, so that was... And it was a foul, um, no doubt about that. But yeah, <laughs> I've still got pictures of it. I'm laying on the floor, obviously, the, the <laughs> yeah. player who's rolling around, and I'll always forget, I've got a picture up, there's, there's Lucas Radibi stood over me, kind of prote- protecting me, and when you've got the Chiefs stood over you, it's, <laughs> you, you know you'd be all right, you take on the world. So yeah, it was... Listen, it, it's a, a weird thing to say, but I think the red card kind of helped me get my name out there a little bit. Absolutely. I, mean, I think yeah. it was on a Sunday. If I remember rightly, the game was on a Sunday. So on Monday, yeah, was, I remember going to it. Coming out and, yeah, yeah it was, I remember it well, mate. I remember I remember coming out of the game after and walking up Beeston Hill. Everyone was saying that, that Simon Walton, a bit like Alan Smith, a bit like David Batty, <laughs> you know, 16 years of age, getting a tackle in, a bit of aggression. Like, he got a great reception that day. I remember it. And uh, obviously going into that season, we had no idea what were happening. You know, as you know, you'll know being there, the the mm. stories are, are well known that players, the Ferraris are driving off and the Peugeot 106s are driving into the training ground and you're getting all these free free agents, trialists coming in and you didn't know. I remember that first game at Derby and we had no idea what the starting eleven would be. Couldn't predict it. I think you're the only player we could... We could probably say in Gary Kelly. <laughs> That's probably about it. <laughs> I'll yeah. that, yeah. But I nearly didn't play in the first game because I would have uh, tried to obviously uphold my suspension, but we managed to wangle out of it. So, yeah, at one stage it was looking doubtful. That Imagine being suspended for your debut. That would have pretty much summed it up. But, yeah, that season in terms... When you're young, you don't. Sometimes you don't realise. Like I was just a kid turning up. You talk about cars pulling in and out. My mum and dad, bless them, used to have to drop me off at Four Patch every morning. So, yeah, they weren't in Ferraris. Um, but yeah, it was just as a kid looking back, you were just doing what you loved. But then when you get older, and I remember it now, you sit there and think, "Wow, just that." Never matter how we survived that year. At one stage, we were we were doing all right, to be fair. At one stage, I think it was around February when Desert and Halsey come in, there was a little bit of a talk of playoffs, etc. But just to survive that season with some of the stuff that had gone on and mm-hmm. even now being able to appreciate it as an adult when I wasn't an adult back then, you think, wow, that's to have put for the players to have gone through stuff that happened that season is to have survived even was was a brilliant achievement and obviously what happened the next season happened and the rest is history <laughs> absolutely and I think that 2004-05 season correct me if I'm wrong but 
how many games did you you didn't miss many did you you was putting mm. up about 40 odd games that season yeah I think 16, it was 16, 16, 17 years of age was it it's, it was not like it was there was no I think I remember Blackie came out a lot of times and said look I'd love to not play him because yeah. again going back to my earlier point I, I used to get the ump if I didn't play like, I was only a kid but <laughs> I had a couple of rounds with Blackie where he'd be like I'm not playing you this week so rest or whatever I, had, I just wanted to play but yeah, to be put like I said at the time, you don't realise it when you're when you're you're a kid. You're just excited, but when you look back, and even now when I'm coaching or doing my bits, you're like, Phew. to have gone through that. I'm, I think it was 38 or 37 games in your mm. first season in in what is a very physical and tough league. Um, yeah, something that I'm pretty proud of. I mean, I'd love to have played hundreds more, but. Yeah, I didn't. So, um, but yeah, just it was it was a mad season, and I think I was one of about three hundred and twenty six players who made the debut that season. So yeah, I've got my name on the wall outside the ground, so that's that's my um, dream achieved. So I'm happy. Well, that's it, and you play a part of history, you know, in them them dark days of, of playing a part, I guess. But is it is it one of your biggest regrets and not not having a few more years at Leeds? You know, obviously breaking through. As you did, you know. I, I, me personally, I remember at the time when you left for Charlton, I was surprised. Mm. Is, was that was that a decision that you made in yourself, or was it the club? Because I know, obviously, that summer we did spend pretty big, didn't we? You know, we we had a great strike force. Remember, Ely, yeah. Blake, Cresswell, Hulse. You know, yeah. They were decent, and then obviously midfield as well. So obviously, yeah. From from your point of view, I bet you were absolutely devastated. Then, weren't you? After especially after that breakthrough year and thirty-seven odd games, Championship football as well. Yeah, it was just I, I knew again. I don't want to say too much, but it wasn't my decision. Put it that yeah. way. It, it was certainly taken out of my hands. And yeah, we had a run. We should have gone up automatically that season. There's no denying it with the squad that we had and. It's obviously Mr. Bates who splashed, or whoever was behind it, had splashed a lot of money to try and have a go at getting back to the promised land. And we knew, or I knew personally, and as a group, I think we knew that if we hadn't, if we didn't go up, then things were going to change. Because even during that season, there was stuff like we were getting paid late, or the talk of administration and all this. When again, as a boy at the time, you'd to be fair to Butts and Kells and those people, they used to have meetings, but they'd tell me to stay out, like go out, go do whatever, usually make them a cup of tea or something. But still. <laughs> but I used to, it used to be, I didn't get involved. So I didn't, I didn't hear half of the stuff in terms of the financial um, trouble that they were in. And from the outside, I've, I've said this many a time, but people go, huh? what financial trouble? We were spending a million quid back then, which was quite a bit, a million and a half quid on centre-forwards and still paying massive wages. And we knew as a group that if we didn't get promoted or go up, then there was going to be massive changes. And I was told um, by the lovely Mr. Bates that basically if we, if we don't get promoted, I'm cashing in. And there was no, I, I, there was no, no negotiating. Now I, I, I explained, we explained. I, I certainly didn't want to go anywhere. I'd had chance to go to other clubs um, the previous season and didn't. And which is why the the playoff final will it'll always be. Forget the 
horrific injuries that I've had that that day will be the worst day of my life <laughs> never mind football because yeah. I knew everything and I, I couldn't even go back to the I didn't go back to the hotel I, I had a group of mates there and St Martin and people like that and I went and stayed at a story for you. I went and stayed at a, a travel lodge that they were staying in near Cardiff Airport that night because uh-huh. it was I was I was out bro. I was I was in more ways than one and yeah like I said it was not just the end of kind of the Premier League dream that season I knew that I was in for a, a move and there'd been clubs as they I'd spoke not spoke to but clubs had been in touch all through the season and I knew that they'd accepted four bids before the game um, already um, which you find out afterwards and again I, I know for a fact that they sent out lists of players they were trying to get money on um, the likes of Hulsey, Killer, myself who went so that they, they always had planned which I understand in a, a weird way um, why they would have done that but I will still always hate that man for for, for yeah. what happened, and and um, I'm not I'm not afraid to say that. I've said it many a times that I will always be sad and yeah, heartbroken with how it ended, really, because it could have it went from what could have been the best day to the worst day in the space of 90 minutes. Well, that's it. You know, 90 minutes we could have been in the Premier League, and and after that three 0 defeat, that was it. That was the collapse of Leeds United as we know it. You know, within two years we're minus 15 in bottom of League One, just like that. Yeah. And it was. Yeah. people like yourself left in the summer there were no investment in players yeah. we were just free transfers and loanies so first team players were leaving and mate we could be here for hours talking about <laughs> that period you know I think that's why we need to be we need yeah. to be grateful for where we are now and we can we can oh, go there yeah. and go back to the Premier League and, and see us playing again because it's been a it's been a bloody long journey and obviously you've been a big part of that I feel especially with your involvement in that first season um, but yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but after Leeds, what we taught is it? I, I count 19 football clubs after Leeds. No, so now, yes, you, you might tell me differently. <laughs> I don't I, see. I, Le- we did, unfortunately, we didn't get you back, which is <laughs> fully a big regret. Yeah, um, I think I lost count at about 12. I think or 12 or 13 more, but yeah, some the last. That's it. The last two or three years, I I made a a conscious effort to kind of not go back into I think when I was 30 and left Crawley I made a people might think I didn't but I made more of a conscious effort that that was me kind of not petering out but mm. there was other stuff going on that I was concentrating on I, I needed to stay down south to be close to my daughter so yeah once I left Crawley I think that was my last football league club I've kind of um, I followed a certain Mr Ian Baird around to a couple of clubs so yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, um, but yeah, it was. I think it was twelve. I'm sure after Crawley, it was twelve or thirteen. So yeah, I had a. I, I think I've covered every county and corner of the country, <laughs> and even and even Wales. So got to be I've a record the, somewhere, hasn't it? I've seen the sights. Put it that way. I have seen the sights, but a lot were low moves, which I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. But <laughs> yeah, I think I'd had I'd had six by the time I'd turned twenty-one. No, that's a lie. I'd had four by the time I turned 21, and some players haven't played in the first team now by the time they're 21. So. Must have been a bit yeah, weird, that, going from playing for Leeds and then going to another club. Was it Charlton that just kind of loaned you out, didn't they? To so I went there, and yeah, I knew why I was going there. I'd signed four years, um, it's about, it was the old 
one for the future project. Yeah. They were they were building. They'd, I think they just missed out on the UEFA uh, Cup as it was back then the season before. So they're an ambitious club. Um, I knew I was going there and there was a chance that... I think I was on the bench for the first game against West Ham in the Premier League. And then after that, I knew obviously game time would be limited. So <clears throat> went to Ipswich where that was the first time I faced my old club. Um, so yeah, it was weird. I think I played against Leeds twice that season, but they were both away from home. That, that unfortunately, didn't didn't get a chance to ever go back to, to Ellen Road. Yeah, I've got, I've got to ask you that actually. So did you ambitions to come back at any point then as, as a player? Did you try and want to work your way? I don't know how many players have really ever, ever felt like that. I always thought James Milner would come back and finish his career, you know, at Leeds. I always felt that. And I guess you'd know James quite well, would you? Would he, your year, yeah? Yeah, he was a couple of years older than me, but we, yeah. we played youth teams in the Milk Cup. There's a picture of when we won the Milk Cup. Yeah, me, yeah. Aaron Milner and Scott Carson, who obviously went on to do all right as well. So, yeah. he's, he's back at Burnley, isn't he? He's back in the Premier League, so... Yeah, doing all right. So, but, uh, get your boots on then, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd love to. I mean, if, uh, so that's just sure, your team, they're on. still there. Yeah. Carson's a <laughs> city. Yeah, exactly. I was a free, I'm a free agent, so you know, I can dine outside the transfer window. So I'm all right. Yeah, I, what, um, get, I tell you what, mate, we need midfielders at Leeds. We'll <laughs> see how you do with uh, Bielsa's tactics and, and training. Yeah, put, it, put it this way if you saw me now, I wouldn't look well in that tight white kit. <laughs> 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 a bit baggy about then when I was a skinny little boy but yeah I think I'd struggle with the um, amount of running that's expected nowadays put it that way what about at 16 then going back to where your 16 year old self and be also what through the door mm. what do you reckon you reckon you could have acted yeah because that's what I was good at but I was yeah. an athlete I was, I'm, I was yeah I came third in the 400 meter British and European championship so I could run and that was <laughs> that was what that was what got me in the team initially because pre-season I was flying and beating everyone in the running and I just ran all day so I might actually have done all right <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah I might have been fine actually <laughs> I, should have, I should have found him earlier in my career I'd still be running around with a six pack now I reckon but yeah it was um, he's just I, I, I'm fascinated by him not in a yeah. weird way in terms I read all his books and I didn't I'll be honest I didn't know an awful lot about him before he took the Leeds job I'm not going to sit here and say I followed his career I didn't I knew him obviously but I've I've read some of his books and he's got all sorts of journals etc online and the man's well he's a genius um, not just for what he's done for Leeds but when he's held in such high respect for other people it's he, he can't have, he can't have done bad <laughs> but yeah he's I mean it, it, at the time I'm sure I'm I'm not going to sit here and say I knew it'd work out well you. It has its, obviously, I think we'd gone through as many managers as we had players. So it was a bit, you never know how it's going to work out. But yeah, it's it's been a match made in heaven. And I'd say long may it continue. I don't think it's going to last that long in terms of years and years because it doesn't seem to be the norm. But that is, he'll, he'll go down forever, I'm sure, in, in what he's done and what the owners have done over the last, what, two or three seasons. This season, it's kind of just been... It takes on that extra special fact that the fans are there to see Premier League football and to see Bielsa's team play in the Premier League as well after seeing it all last season, not being able to go. Because, like you say, Simon, you don't know exactly how long he's going to be here. He seems happy and content. But, you know, it's just good to kind of 
you know, whilst the results are even going our way, you still get entertained, you still go there and enjoy what you're watching. Um, and, you know, that's like talking about the times that, you know, Leeds have had. I think that's the least that you can ask for sometimes is just be entertained and they certainly are at the minute. Yeah, it's like so to to have missed out last year was bittersweet um, for fans obviously being in the ground, but just that, I think every away fan um, and uh, pundits have said it, that having Leeds back in the Premier League, and I think David Moyes made a comment about the atmosphere on Saturday. I mean, I only watched it through a TV screen, but the noise and you just think that that's what Ellen Road was made for without getting too cliche and deep. That's, yeah. They're the games that I always associated with Leeds. I, I was lucky growing up. I, I saw the good days um, and I was unfortunate to take part in the bad days. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I just think any, the Premier League's a lot better place for having Leeds in it, which is easy to say being a Leeds fan. But I think if you ask most football purists and fans, they'd agree. So it's a bit weird that we seem to be liked now. It's that's certainly changed since when I was growing up. But I just think having the fans back and the club and the feel around it just, I mean, I'm, I'm 200 and odd miles away, so I don't get to witness it every weekend. But yeah, it's just, it's, it's so good to see after I'm still a fanatic fan. Um, so even as a fan, it's, it's still good to see. And yeah, like I said, again, with, in terms of the football and seeing the, the likes of West Ham and, Man United's, Newcastle's, etc. Hopefully, long may that continue as well. I think that's a perfect way to, to wrap it up then, Simon. To be honest, we could probably go on another two hours. Any interview I've ever done about anything, somehow I always manage to swindle it back to Leeds. And yeah, <laughs> I, I go on all night, so I'll stop now. But yeah, uh, long may it continue. And thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming Thank on, you, mate. mate. Thanks for coming on. Big thank you to Simon Walton for joining us on, on, on the Writing Gary Kelly's podcast. And just to perk us up a little bit, it's been a it's been a difficult one talking and reliving uh, the West Ham result. I think um, it was a difficult one to take, and uh, obviously getting someone like Simon Walton to come on and just reminisce about his time at the club as well, and and just you know his general love for Leeds has pretty much just you know saved it at the end of the day, hasn't it? I guess, but yeah, big thanks to Simon. And I think it shows. I think it shows that how bad we think it is now. Think back to when he was there, and and how, how crap it was then for him. Bless him. So, Absolutely, yeah. I was just gonna say, yeah. You just, uh, I think some people have got short term memories, and I think Simon coming on and just reliving some of them dark moments in in, the, in his career. Obviously, a young 16, 17 year old player as well. Um, so yeah, I think we've just got to be thankful in the Premier League, and hopefully the next time you hear from us after Watford. We've got three points on the pod and, and we can look back and, and, and laugh at this stage of the season and, and now we can kick on because we've got some good good winnable games coming up for us. So, yeah, massive thanks once again. Your tweets, your emails, your pigeon mails, everything. We appreciate it all. Um, have a good one and we'll see you after Watford.
Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.